0: I want you to start with your imagination. Imagine that you have been connected with a trusted advisor who's at the very top of your field. A friend you work with insists that there's no mentor who's better than this one. He's wise, he's a great listener, and he gives perfect guidance. And you need all of that, and so you decide to meet. Your friend has really hyped this person up. But then when you're together, it turns out, Uh, After a few minutes, you realize it's actually better than my friend promised. Here is someone who is not only brilliant, but also completely kind. Have you ever met someone like that? Someone who knows the field that I'm in inside and out can give me exactly the right guidance for work, but also when I'm with him, I want to unfold my heart so that my personal life receives what I know this person can give. He says to you in your first meeting, I will be ready to sit with you whenever you want me. And there's something about the way he says it that it sort of oozes sincerity and you know it's true. And so you go to be with him all the time because you need a lot of help. You're a mess. Yeah? Okay. Now imagine this. Every time you're there You sit down, you start to unfold this challenge at work, this strategy that you're trying to develop. You you get to this conundrum and you you, you start to explain the mystery. You you unfold how hard it is here. Even at home, you start to share some of those details. You go on for a while. Attentively, he listens. And then the moment you stop talking, you stand up and you walk away before he has even an instant to speak. And it's like this every time you see how much you're losing? Now this is what it is like when in prayer, all we ever do is speak without ever pausing and sitting still in God's presence to listen. A prayer is one of God's greatest gifts to us. In prayer, God's promise to us is that he will always be available to listen to us whenever we have something to share whenever we need to speak to God God's promise is always to be there not because we have the right formula not because we've earned it by our own merit but only because God loves us he's available because his grace and kindness is for all of us everywhere available and yet so many of us will engage in prayer only in that first way of speaking, sharing, saying, but then walking away and never giving God a moment to speak. And what I want you to see this morning, and this is our lesson uh, for this morning, is that when we speak, God listens, but when we learn to listen, God actually speaks. And that will not happen unless we develop the practice of solitude and silence. Apart from that, we probably won't ever hear much. But when we learn to be still and quiet before God in prayer, the promise is that God will speak, that God will say to us what we need to hear and cannot say to ourselves, that God will give us the guidance that we need and the direction that we are desperate to find, that God will give us the encouragement that we need to keep going. Uh, That sometimes God will speak a word of challenge, a word of correction that we must hear if we're going to be on the right path. But unless we learn to listen, we'll never hear. Our teacher is going to be a man of God uh, who, among other things, was exemplary in his prayer. Uh, His name was Elijah. Some of you will know some of the dramatic and brilliant stories of Elijah from the book of 1 Kings. We're going to learn from one episode in this man's life where he shows us the dynamics and the the value of sitting in silence before God. The the moment we'll observe him comes after one of the greatest victories, which is followed by one of the most profound disappointments ever. Uh, He was present when God's power was manifest in such a way that everyone saw and their hearts were turned toward God, which was wonderful, but then immediately following this victory, the one person who needed to change, the king, uh, began to seek Elijah's life to kill him and it was so profoundly disappointing to him that he turned his back on what was great and had become awful and began to walk from the very northern part of the kingdom of Israel all the way down to the southern border. Do you know what it's like to have to leave behind a great disappointment? Uh, Do some of you have great disappointments behind you now? Uh, Or maybe you're in the midst of one. What Elijah did is he went away, listen now, to be alone to pray. He walked as far as one could, away from that disappointment in Israel, all the way to the southern border, and he made his way to the city of Beersheba with his servant, and there the two of them stopped and paused until Elijah would go on himself even further. I want you to look at this photograph. This is uh, present-day Beersheba. Uh, It's a very uh, barren place, as you can see. That's in the very southern border, and to this day, it's a place where no one is. And that's a part of the point here. Because what Elijah does in view of this disappointment is to go off to be alone so that he can pray, listen now, and not only speak to God, but hear from God. The story is told in 1 Kings 19. Uh, in verse 4, here's what we read. Elijah went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. a uh, One day, away from even the only other person he was with, into the wilderness, so that he could find his way to the place where he would be altogether alone. The narrator wants us to be very clear that the most important part of this setting is that there, in solitary, this man is completely free of distractions. You see the word there, a solitary broom tree. Here is somewhere where there aren't any cell phones that might ring. (laughs) I love you, Tim. Here is somewhere where there's no news story to take his attention away from what he needs. Here there's no other person to bend his ear or to complain to. Here there's just this man who's seeking the one thing that he knows he needs more than anything else, which is God's presence, which is what you and I need more than anything else. And there he is alone, and he's done this on purpose because the disappointment behind him puts him in the place where he knows that he desperately needs to hear from God. And some of us here know that. We know that we need to hear from God. Others of you, maybe you don't know that yet. There is an ache in your heart, a yearning for something more profound in life. And I'll tell you now, you want to hear from God too. So here he goes to the place where he can hear from God. And there he is by himself, trying to listen for God. Let me ask you, have you ever been alone listening for God, trying to hear God's voice and instead of hearing God's voice, a different voice pops into your head? Has that ever happened when you try to be silent before God? Is it your voice? Is it? Is it your voice reminding you of all the things that you need to do? Instead of praying, because praying's not, you gotta get back to work. Does that happen to you? Or your voice telling you the things about you that you wish weren't true? and the busyness has allowed you to avoid them? The voice in you that says, hey, remember that failure in the past of yours? I haven't forgotten it. When you were busy, when there were people around you and you had your phone, you didn't have to listen to that voice. Does that happen to anybody else in here? It happens to this person right here before you. And here's Elijah All of this distance from distraction under the broom tree. And I want you to look. He's trying to hear God's voice, but look at the voice he hears instead. He asked, this is his prayer, that he might die. It's enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. This is what happens when Elijah finds himself alone, and in solitude. In silence, instead of hearing God's voice, first of all, the voice that he hears is the voice inside of him, which is a voice of accusation, a voice that tells him you're worthless, a voice that tells him there's no hope for the future, a voice that tells him, hey, I remember all of your failures behind you. You're no better than anyone else. You're just as bad as all of the people who you left behind. There is no hope. It'd be better if you were dead. That's the voice that he hears when he finally quiets down. But listen now. There's already a lesson for us, and it is that if any one of us will go off into silence so that we can hear God's voice, the first voice that we're going to have to contend with is the voice that will follow us everywhere we go, our own voice. And in silence, maybe some of us will hear things that we had been avoiding all along. And I would venture this that just about every one of us would say, you know, I don't spend enough time alone and in silence. And then I will tell you that one of the principal reasons is when we finally quiet down and don't have any distractions, what happens is there are voices in us that are really scary. There are voices in us that accuse us, that bring up our failures, that tell us we're worthless, that tell us not to hope anymore. Now, one strategy to avoid those voices is to never, ever be alone and never, ever be in silence. And I gotta say, when I look around me, I think that's a strategy that most of us today are pursuing. But it's a desperate and a sad search for peace that avoids the misery in us. But instead, please don't lose hope. Instead, hear something brilliant and beautiful. When you pause and you're silent so you can hear God's voice, the moment you hear your voice, what you should do with it is what Elijah does with it here. Did you see what he does? He tells God. He says, God, this is exactly what's going on inside of me. And what you are invited to do in prayer is on your path to listening, the moment your mind starts racing and you have those thoughts, tell God. What happens with Elijah is instructive. He tells God about his misery, and then as soon as the prayer's out of his lips, he falls into a deep and peaceful rest. I think before his prayer, he'd been anxious and depressed, and after his prayer, he was finally at ease. A messenger of the Lord wakes him up, Uh, gives him some food and water and then tells him, listen now, you need to hear from God and the place you're going to hear from God is not one day into the wilderness, but you're going to have to go all the way down to Mount Horeb, the place where God spoke to Moses to our ancestor many years ago. Go down there and then you'll hear from God and that trip is another 40 days into the wilderness. And so here's our first lesson and it's a lesson for us about prayer and it's a lesson that everyone in here needs to hear. The lesson is that in order to be in the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us, we have to pray. And in order to pray, we must be silent so that we can hear what God wants to say to us. And if we take one day, that's good. If we take 41 days, that's better. And maybe it would be irresponsible, maybe for all of us, to take a 40-day break from our lives and walk into the woods. Is that true? But I'll tell you, the lesson here tells us that there's not a single one of us who wouldn't benefit if we would pause regularly, and maybe it would be that you make a commitment for 41 days to do such a thing, to seek God in silence. The promise is if you do that, you will hear some ugly voices in you. You will. But here the lesson is bring that to God and then press on and watch what God has to say to you. Because when we are silent and we come to grips with the voices in us, God will speak. That's the first lesson. Uh, Now, if we come back to the Elijah story, uh, there's more for us here. Uh, After the journey all the way down to the mountain, Elijah makes his way uh, up the the mountain, and, and he finds himself in a cave where he's going to shelter because the presence of God is going to come by and speak to him there. And there, as he awaits the presence of God, uh, there are a number of spectacular things that happen. Each one, uh, the kind of thing that might make one think, well, here must be where God is. But the narrative is surprising in what it shows us about where God's presence is. Uh, if you look at verse 11 with me, as he's there in the cave, uh, here's how the drama begins. Now, there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. Now, here he is in the cave, and the wind begins to rip outside. It's a wind that's so strong, it's knocking down the rocks. It's breaking the rocks. It's actually splitting the mountains. It's the most powerful and spectacular torrent that anyone could ever see, and you would think God was in it, but no, God's not in the wind. Do you see what it says there? It's the wind before the Lord, which means he's coming. He's coming which would make one think, okay, whatever's coming after this wind much, must be even more powerful, and that must be where God is. And so it continues. And after the wind, an earthquake. Uh, oh, here's what must be causing the, the wind. It's the earth shaking back and forth. It's the mountains teetering and tottering. It's the world bending under the power. This must be where God is. But no, uh, the Lord was not in the earthquake. Uh, here, can you, can you envision it? Here is Elijah waiting. One spectacular thing, a, a more dynamic event. Well, here must co- come God next. No, after, this is verse 12, and after the earthquake, of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Uh, the, the world... Is illuminated even though it's nighttime. Can you imagine the blaze, the fear there? He's waiting for God. We're waiting for God. When is God going to come along? He wasn't there. He wasn't there in the wind or the earthquake or the fire. Well, where is He? Here. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. That's a dramatic pause. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle. A mantle is the garment that the prophet wears. So that when people look at him, they know this is somebody who understands God. So that when they look at him, they know here is a person whose life of prayer should teach us how to pray. Here's someone who listens carefully to God and knows the direction that God gives. Here's one who spends time with the mentor who's... Field of expertise is life, and this one knows God. I need to look at him. And now, Elijah is in the cave, and in the silence, the presence of God is so potent to him that he steps back, and he grabs his mantle, and he wraps it around his own face because he knows that God's presence is about to come, and the holiness of God is so magnificent, he doesn't know what will happen. He can't even expose himself to it. And so here, as the silence falls... He wraps his mantle around his face because now he knows he's come to the place where he's ready to hear from God. And you, all of you, you need to come to the place where you are ready to listen. And the gift of God, not because you've earned it, not because you've been special, not because you've somehow impressed God, is that he loves you so much that he not only waits to hear from you, but he's ready to speak to you. And if you expect him to be in the grand and in the distracting and in the mighty, the thing that is so captivating that everyone's looking at it, you'll miss him. If you're always running, if you're never quiet, you'll never hear him. You'll miss the voice. But here, Elijah with his mantle, the prophet wants you to see what he wants me to see, what he wants all of us to see. Every one of you, whether you're an individual who's here for one Sunday and you're going to go back to the place you came from, or you're a visitor, you come here now and then, or you're the person who's here every week. You all need to hear the voice of God, and the voice of God is in the silence. Elijah went out. This is in the second part of verse 13. Elijah went out, and he stood at the entrance of the cave. Please remember, it took him 41 days to get ready for this. That's a long time. You're not gonna learn the kind of discipline that God wants you to have in prayer overnight or because of a message. But 41 days, he stands by the the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, what are you doing here, Elijah? The voice of God asks him to take a look at himself, an honest look at himself and say, where are you right now in life? Why are you here? Would you please pause and take stock of of this moment in your life and ask, what's the point? Why am I here? And that's what God wants him to do. And the voice of God out of the silence speaks and tells him to look at himself. I know many of us need to do that. Look at where you are. What am I doing here? And that's the voice of God. Listen, here's the second big lesson. The first lesson is that we have to take time for silence and solitude. The second lesson for us, all of us gathered, is when we listen, God speaks. And that's true. And there will be, as soon as that's up on the screen, there will be some of you in here now this morning who say, Yes, I know that in my own experience. Some of you have had it in your past that God spoke to you. It was a moment of decision and it was like a voice and you heard it and God said, Go this way or stay here. I need you still. Have some of you had that experience? Many of us will not. I'll tell you right now, I have never heard God's voice audibly. Uh, Like you're hearing my voice, I've never heard an audible voice. I would tell you that I would not be here if I had not heard God speak to me. It's just that he's spoken to me, not audibly, but in other ways. And this also is the truth that we need. It is the truth that when we listen, God speaks sometimes to our ears, but in other ways too. Maybe others of you have had a moment in life where you're sure God was communicating to you, not necessarily in your ears, but in other ways. Is that true? Now, let's take some time here. We're going to put Elijah aside for a moment because what I want is for you to have new eyes open to the way God speaks so you can hear. Uh, Because when we listen, sometimes God speaks to our eyes. That's the first way that in my own experience, God has communicated with me. Uh, That is, I've been seeking God in earnest. I've been asking him, as many of you will have asked God to help to deliver, to give me wisdom and guidance. And then instead of hearing something, my own two eyes see something and it's as if God himself is speaking to me through that visible manifestation right there before me. Have you had that experience? There's a storm in your life metaphorically, literally a storm rolls overhead and then against all odds, the clouds break and a beam of sunlight comes right down through it. And you think that's God speaking to me. Have you ever had that experience? Are you awake? Okay, sorry. (laughs) Or maybe it's not the weather. Maybe a bird flutters in at just the right moment and it lands there and it looks at you. Or more than once, a bird shows up and it's like God is saying to you, I have my eyes on you. I know what's happening. I'm here. Have you ever had that? A child, an innocent little child, a stranger, looks at you and smiles and all of a sudden, it's like, all of the weight of anxiety and misery that you've been carrying around, it melts away in that smile, and it's like God himself has said to you, it's okay. I remember six years into my graduate studies at Princeton, I was on the verge of a massive decision. I was trying desperately to decide, do I stay in academics, or do I go be a pastor somewhere else? If Listen, if God hadn't spoken to me in that moment, I'm almost sure you would never know me. And there I am on the verge of this decision, and for weeks, I'm praying, God... Speak to me. I need to hear from you. And I'm not hearing any audible voices. I'm on my way to the Templeton Hall where my office is and that's where I go to work every day at Templeton Hall. That represents my future in academics. And I'm praying again one afternoon, God, make it plain to me. Speak to me. I stop between the academic building and Templeton where there's a one-way street which they've just repaved and as I'm praying, God, help me know where you want me to go. I look up to my office, and in between me and my office, there's a brand new road sign which they put up. And in bright red, it says, wrong way. <laughs> and I, I, didn't, I didn't quit then, it, it took about a month and a half, but a month and a half later, it wasn't a quit, it was a, I, God has spoken to me because I've been seeking. And some of you need to see what God is saying. You need to open your eyes to the direction that he's calling you to go next. And that's the best thing for you. And you gotta listen. God wants to tell you, because he loves you. But you have to listen, so he speaks to our eyes. Here's a second way that God speaks. God speaks, when when we listen, God speaks to our minds. I'm sure of this, don't you know what it's like to have a voice running in your head whenever you try to be still? And it's your voice. Don't you know that? You lie down at night and there it is. Oh, you forgot to do this. You've got to get to that task. And what about that person? Remember how they looked at you? They don't like you. You must have done something wrong. Well, you don't like them. And so, listen, so tomorrow you're going to go out after dinner, and instead of turning on TV, you're gonna think about this message today. And you're gonna say, okay, God speaks. Let me go try to listen. And so you're gonna take a walk around the block. It's 40 minutes, not 40 days, 40 minutes. And and you go around the block once, and the whole time you're trying to listen to God, and your mind is racing and racing. And so you get home, you think it didn't work, but then you think, well, I'm gonna try one more time. And now halfway around the block, all of a sudden you notice your heart beating, and you haven't paid attention to that before. And then you feel the breath in your lungs. And now there's another voice in your mind. It's not your voice, it's God's voice in your thoughts. And you know it's God's. Because instead of anxious, it's peaceful. And it says, I hear you. I know exactly where you are. I know every detail and I've got you. It's going to be okay. I'm with you and all you need to do is trust me. And that's how God speaks sometimes. In those thoughts after we've quieted our own anxious thoughts so that his spirit, which dwells in us when we trust him, has space to express itself. And you need to learn to listen. Because when we listen, he speaks. He speaks to our eyes, he speaks to our thoughts and our minds. Here's a third way. Sometimes God speaks to our hearts when we listen. Uh, maybe, you don't, maybe you're so anxious and overwhelmed, you, you're, you don't have thoughts anymore. You just have that maddening stress and strain where it's hard to breathe and get out of bed. getting out of bed is a challenge. You want to just go and just give up. And, and, and when you think about the fork in the road before you, whatever the fork is, you, you imagine, you picture yourself going one way down it, which is the way you've always thought, I have to go that way. And as you picture it, it becomes even harder to breathe. It's like a weight is being put on your back. You feel pressed down. You feel wrong. But then you envision the other way. And somehow, it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Somehow, it's easier to breathe when you envision yourself going that way. And every step you see yourself going on that path is like another brick off of your back. And as you picture it down the road, you're free and you're at ease. And it's right. And you decide, I think that's the way to go. And that's God speaking to your heart. Because when you listen, he speaks. All three of these... All three of them are, are, are the ways in addition to audibly that God will speak if we'll learn to listen. And if Elijah's going to be his, uh, be our teacher as as he should be, uh, if we're going to learn from the, the witness of Scripture and from what God teaches us through him, we'll have to see that, The work that's before us is good work of cultivating solitude and silence so that we can listen with our eyes and with our minds and our hearts. And if we will, God will speak. Now, at this point, I'm sure that at least one of you is asking the kinds of questions that intelligent people would ask right now, which is, wait a minute, how can you tell the difference? You know what I mean? Haven't you ever met someone who said, I heard from God, and then the thing they tell you, you're like, that was not God. I'm serious, have you ever, right? Or listen, let's be honest. Have you ever thought, I know exactly what God wants and you go for it and it is the most miserable disaster and and then the Christians who still are willing to tolerate you are like, it's okay, you confused your own voice with God's voice, happens a lot. That happens, right? And so let me acknowledge this. The moment we start to learn about prayer, if we get two questions of ours answered, now we have three ones that we didn't have before. And so that's gonna happen all summer as we're together around this subject. It's happening already here. Um, this cannot be where we land today. Just an aside, God's given us what we need to test our hearing of his voice. We have the scriptures. We have a picture of what God is like in Jesus that will often show itself to be the, the test for whether it really does come from God or not. God told me that he wants to hoard everything that I ever get for myself and live on a solid gold yacht and drive a rocket car. That's what God wants. Now, Jesus talks about generosity too much for that to be God's voice. You see what I mean? That's one thing we have. A second thing we have is each other. We have each other. That's why God's brought us together in a church rather than every one of us being home on our couch watching this online. Uh, Some of you just need to learn. Others of you have learned enough to become, for another person who's seeking to hear God, a guide. Uh, If you're a young person, you can find the person who's a little further along who can tell you, yeah, that does sound like God's voice. Or no, that doesn't sound like him. We've got those two things. We've got each other and we've got scripture to help us. But here, we will never go even one step down the road of listening to God until we cultivate silence and solitude like Elijah. Let's come back to Elijah for one more lesson. Uh, There... Uh, at the mouth of the cave, as God raises that question to him, what are you doing here? Uh, God goes on to say to Elijah the thing that he needed to come all the way down here so that he could hear from God. And in it, even though it's detailed and for Elijah, there's a lesson for all of us here who will listen to God. I want you to see what God says to him. Uh, The voice out of the silence addresses Elijah in verse 15, then the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. Uh, If you know geography well, you'll know that the place he departed from, that great disappointment that he left behind was here. The wilderness was all the way down here. Damascus is back up to the disappointment and then on even further north. And here, uh, there's a symbol of what will happen if any one of us retreats from a defeat thinking that maybe it's hopeless and that God's done with us if we will listen through it, what God will say to us in kind will be just what he says here to Elijah, which is, I'm glad you've departed and come here to be with me. Now, with your strength and with the renewal that's come from hearing from me, now it's time for you to go all the way back and then even further beyond what made you run in the first place because quite simply, I've still got really good work for you to do. And if you, wherever you are in faith, will pause and listen to the voice of God in solitude and silence, I promise that what God will say to you will be in effect don't give up keep going and even further still because I'm not done and I've got great work for you to do and everyone needs to hear that and every church needs to hear that that is every church that gathers to see Jesus together will become a kind of community that grows to follow him and once they start following him and listen through their own miserable voices and then on into the forgiveness and grace and renewal of God they will hear God's voice saying "All right, get ready I've got more for you to do Here's how it comes in uh, the second part of verse 15. I expected you all to shout amen then, but I realize we've already shouted it enough in that song, right? Let all the people say amen. We only have a few in us each week, right? We've already used them up. Yes. (laughs) Verse 16. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael as king over Aram, also you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abel-Molah as prophet in your place. I'm guessing that a lot of those names are new to you. Is that true? So here's the point. They weren't new to God because God had good work for them to do also. They had a part of God's plan. And listen, In order for them to know what God wanted them to do, Elijah had to go into the silence and listen to God so that he could hear how God would use him to help those others hear from God. And what God wants is for everybody you've ever met to know him. Because what God wants is for his love to be poured out onto more and more people. And in order for you to become the living vessel of God's love and power, which he means for you to be at work, at home, in play, in your neighborhood, wherever you are, God wants to speak to you so that he sends you to whoever in your life is Jehu or Nimshi or Shaphat or whoever. Because God's word is meant to go out to all. And he needs us to listen so we can be the bearers of it into the world. Uh, now, practically speaking, how will we become proficient at silence and solitude? Now, I have three very simple words of advice uh, to end with. The first thing that I can tell you concretely to encourage you towards silence and solitude is first, that we must make time. And here I choose the word make on purpose rather than find time. Because anyone who's busy, like many of us are, will know that if you go searching for time, you're not going to find it. Am I right? Right, so you need to make it. And that will require choosing to set aside one task or one way that you use time right now and replace it instead with silence and solitude. And that might mean getting up earlier and not getting on the internet right away, but leaving your computer off for, for, for 30 minutes and dwelling in silence. Or at the end of the day, not watching another rerun, but making time for silence and solitude. That's the first thing we'll need to do. Second thing is you need to find a deserted place. And this is very practical. There's a reason why Elijah went away from all of those people so he could be alone. And you need to find your own desert. And don't make it your living room right next to the remote with a 50-inch television. Right? Here's the thing. Leave your phone behind. If you've got it with you because you think it's going to help you in your silence, nonsense. Leave it. And just be alone. There's plenty of nice places around here to walk where there aren't a lot of people and distractions. So find a deserted place. And then, maybe it's not gonna be 40 days into the wilderness, but maybe it's gonna be 40 days where each morning you're up and you go to that place or each evening you take that walk. When you're in that place, which you've made time for, here's the third thing you're gonna do. You are going to ask God to speak and then you're gonna listen. And that means you're gonna say to God, God, I need to hear what you want to say to me. And then as you keep walking and your voice comes up, say it again, I need to hear what you want to say to me. And then you're gonna say, God, I know I've been ignoring things. What am I ignoring that you want me to pay attention to? And say it again, and then listen. Uh, God, what are you showing me for where you are sending us? I pray this all the time when I think about you guys. What are you showing me for where you're sending Renaissance Church? And then after you've prayed and as you wait in solitude, listen now, listen with your eyes and listen with your thoughts and your mind and listen with your feelings and then trust that when we listen, God speaks. Not because we're good enough, not because we figured out the right technique, but because he loves us more than we could ever dream. Because he's made himself available because we need him and because he's ready to be with us. Now let's join our hearts now in prayer. God, for this time to be with one another in this place, we give you thanks. For each and every person you've brought into this room, for every man and every woman, for everyone who hears my voice now, I give you great thanks, thank you that you 've given us this chance to dwell together on the subject of prayer. God, would you please, through the example of Elijah, would you please move every one of us another step forward on the path of growing to know you as we learn not only to speak to you but listening to? Uh, we need you to speak to our eyes and to our minds and to our hearts. We need you to speak to our ears. and so as we continue in worship now. Would you open our hearts up wide so that they are receptive to words which are trustworthy and true so that we can hear what we need to hear to move forward on the paths that you're calling us to walk on. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.